you think you know just who you are driving around chasing money in a man-made car do you ever think about it don't you think it's bizarre yeah and the milky way floating around in the stars it's like Welcome to Travel by Proxy, the show where we leave our house so you don't have to. I'm Andrea. And I'm Aaron. Each episode, we feature a destination anywhere from right in our neighborhood to far off lands. We bring you our experience, some history, and a taste of each destination by sampling something unique to it. So whether you're listening to this in your car, on a train, on a plane, or in Spain, you'll learn about something to add to your bucket list. Or to remove from it. In this week's episode, we explore Tattersall Distilling in Minneapolis, Minnesota, taste their craft spirits, and learn about the history of this hipster haven. So, sit back and take a journey with us as we talk about the world outside your window. All right, Aaron. All right, Andrea. We are going to talk today about Tattersall Distillery, and it is an amazing place here in Minneapolis, Minnesota. It truly is. Uh, it is a it is a hipster haven. We we use that language for a very very specific reason, uh, because it is very new. It is very filled with young people who are very passionate about spirits. They make their own. They uh, distill them from scratch in in the same place that you go to purchase that and have uh, cocktails that they will now handcraft. A lot of the servers that you interact with are also the people responsible for crafting the spirits that you are drinking. It has high-backed chairs, awesome couches, like those um, tables that have like the... Um like uh it's like reclaimed wood that's the word i'm looking for yeah for some reason i wanted to say spinning wheel tables but that is definitely not what they were it's it's like you know somebody found old barns and they took that wood that had naturally aged and had a great patina and then they just slapped varnish on it after they chopped it down and can you imagine a place just being old barn tables like actual barns it's just it's physical barns that you have to somehow sit on like again, you're, welcome to Old Barn Tableville. <laughs> we have uh, fifteen thousand acres. Each table is one full size barn made to hold sixteen horses, or fifty people. Exactly. Well, you're gonna eat off the floor because the wood's still up on the barn. Yeah, but uh, we do have a lot of grain. Lots of grain. So much. Speaking grain. of grain, let's talk about mashing and distilling. Uh, so for those of you who don't really know, uh, especially whiskeys are made uh, using a process that starts with sour mash. And sour mash, uh, we'll have a link to it in the in the blog post that it's had, uh, accompanies this episode. Um, it's I cannot do it justice to just describe how it starts. It has a very, very interesting smell, and that's a very nice way of saying it. Uh, the end product is always much better than the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the cool part about like distilling is watching... Um... Every, all like the bubbles uh, rise in the distillation um, boiler. Like it, they all go up this tunnel of evaporation and then mm-hmm. slowly settle in layers. Yeah, and so when you when you get uh, you know per- perhaps a vodka that says you know five times distilled, it means that it's gone through a set of evaporating tubes and and recondensed five different times, and it takes quite a bit of time to get that product made. So when you visit Tattersall Distilling, um, the entire uh, uh, cocktail room is surrounded by these glass walls mm-hmm. and the like distillation apparatus and like fermentation tanks are all behind those glass walls. So you see everything. Absolutely. It's, it's a very... 
I mean, the experience is something that they've crafted, but it is a very... Wait, they crafted it? They crafted it. You might say it's a transparent process. It is definitely a transparent process. We are all about the puns here at Travel by Proxy. Um, But you can see these giant kind of stainless steel vats and every bit of equipment that they have to make the distilling process happen. And then they actually still bottle uh, everything right there in-house. And then... In the evenings, they open up so that you can go in and enjoy some handcrafted cocktails while you look at the process still happening behind you. Yeah, in fact, um, they have they offer two different tours of their uh, distillery. They have they're on Saturdays at two and three p.m. So schedule accordingly. Uh, for fifteen dollars, you can do just a spirit tasting with a tasting glass souvenir, and for twenty. It includes those things that the $15, but it also gives you a t-shirt. And there is a tour of the distillery as part of this. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay, so it's there's a tour, a tasting, a glass that you get, and if you spend the extra $5, a t-shirt. A t-shirt, correct. And you, and you have one of their, their hoodies, right? Yeah, you- I have one of their hoodies. It is probably the most comfortable hoodie I have ever owned. I highly recommend picking one up. It, they do not... It, it's one thing about Tattersall. They do not skimp on anything. They want to make sure that everything they produce is the same high quality down to their shirts and other, you know, apparel and merch. Mm-hmm. Yep. And the the thing that I actually like about them is <laughs> their hoodies are only 35 bucks. Which is a, a moderate price for a hoodie. Like, yeah, because most breweries you go to, it's 45 bucks for a hoodie. If not more. There's some that I know are like 50 or 60. Yeah. I'm looking at you, Surly. Absolutely. Although, Surly, if you're weirdly listening to this, send me a hoodie. Fans at travelbyproxy.com. Yes. Well, it's, uh, you know, we are all about making sure that the places we enjoy can interact with us in this new format. <laughs> so, speaking of Tattersall Distilling, um, I want to say one of my favorite things about them is that they do um, uh, they do drinks with egg whites. Mm. Yes. Um, and because, it doesn't it doesn't weirdly taste like just somebody poured raw egg whites into a drink, just no. for those of you who are wondering. Yeah. Like well, because one of my favorite cocktails is a Ramos Gin Fizz. Can you give us the uh, ingredients list on a on a gin fizz by chance? A Ramos gin fizz? Yes. It's egg whites, uh orange flower water, gin, um, bitters, I believe, and uh fizz. I don't remember what fizz is. Is it just club soda for the fizz? I don't remember. You don't remember? We'll we'll have a link attached uh, <laughs> again to the blog post. Oh, by the way, uh, if it's ever not on a menu, don't ask a bartender for one of those. No, there there will be cocktails, and and we've talked about the Minnesota Nice, which is something that it's it's three ingredients. It's very easy to make. It's something that exists in almost every bar. Uh, that is something easy. Trying to take a a bartender from any random kind of local bar. They may not have the skill to make these. It is a very mm-hmm. specific skill set that you need to get the, the you know, just if you're adding egg whites to alcohol, you need to make sure it's done right. Yeah. The other thing, um, a Sazerac. Don't order, don't try to order a Sazerac randomly in a bar. No. I tried that once uh, at uh, a, ho- uh, it was at the, at a hotel bar in Minneapolis. Oh, which was it one of the hotels in downtown? Yeah. Okay. But they didn't have any um, absinthe. Oh, well, not every bar really does. Um, 
some some are more apt to it. There's uh, uh, Volstead's definitely has absinthe, uh, but Volstead's is also another place we'll be talking about later in much more depth. It is a speakeasy. You have to have a password for the day, and mm-hmm. it's got a red light over the door. It's a whole experience. Yeah, we, we plan on covering mm-hmm. plenty of speakeasies because I like seeking them out when I travel. Absolutely. Um, the one thing is so. Whenever we do these episodes, obviously we have a, a drink, uh, and we were we were kind of going back and forth about what kind of cocktail to make. And at this point, with Tattersall's just dedication to excellence, we are actually just going to sample some of their Blackstrap rum. It is a is a clear rum, and uh, we're just going to drink it out of some some kind of snifters. Yep, uh, at straight mm-hmm. just to give the flavor profile of the spirit because that's the the thing that we are trying to talk about anyway. So I'm just going to go ahead and pour us some. And these uh, snifters that we are tasting it out of are the uh, snifters that I got at a 1920s. I wanted to get the Foley there. Or the ASMR if you're a a Generation Z. Um, These are the snifters that we got at a 1920s Prohibition tasting at Evan Williams Distillery in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, we will actually talk in a future est- episode about tasting experiences, because I believe that that kind of deserves its whole, it's like whole unique uh, episode experience. Um, it is truly a unique thing to talk about. Um, you know, Evan Williams in and of itself is is kind of a, is kind of a good thing to talk about. I mean, it's a good, you know, distillery. It's a one that's been around for a very long time. And uh, we had our we had our talk about bits of Kentucky. Now, is Evan Williams in a dry county? It's in Louisville. It's in Louisville. Okay. Well, I mean, it's actually outside of Louisville. They have a, a tasting room in Louisville. I because I do know that uh, if you go, if you try to do like a, a distillery tour for Jack Daniels, that is in Lynchburg, and it's in yeah. a dry county, so you cannot do a tasting at the distillery. You have to leave and go out of that county mm-hmm. back towards Louisville to actually have. A, uh, a taste that you can swallow technically there's the yeah. like in you know roll on the tongue spit tasting yeah. that's allowed you know i just uh i just realized we did not go through our completely arbitrary review scale of uh louisville's uh goodwood brewing we did not but i think that's okay because i think we should reserve the completely arbitrary review scale for places that both of us have been exactly do you think that's a good, I, yes, good thing to I've agree not on been to goodwood and yeah. uh, it'll take me a little bit of time to get back down to louisville yeah so we will we will use the completely arbitrary review scale for tattersall at the end of this episode oh absolutely we're going to go ahead and give a taste of the blackstrap rum and then right. we'll explain so uh, what is our what is our tasting criteria Aaron since ooh. i took you th- through a tasting criteria for beer you need to take me through one for it's going to be a, it's going to be a fairly similar uh, start to the beer we're going to do a quick swirl in the glass and then we're going to do a nice just just closed mouth nose sniffing there's definitely a higher alcohol aroma to that one mm mm-hmm. mhm um, you can definitely smell the sugar on it. Mm-hmm. And it's actually, uh, the blackstrap is made with Jamaican molasses. Yeah. So it is, it is obviously a sugar product, but it is not just a straight white cane sugar. Yeah. It's like, that's a sugar. Oh yeah. You know, you, you said definitely not white cane sugar. I was going to say sugar cane, right? No, it is, it is a, uh, it is a product of sugar cane, uh, that has not been overly processed. Mm-hmm. Uh, molasses is something that is used in a lot of different uh, distilling 
practices. Uh, however, this one, uh, it is it is a Caribbean-style molasses. Part of the reason I, I picked this absolutely, actually is because of a cruise that I took when I was 18 years old. Um, and I had something very similar to this hmm. that was made in uh, one of the U.S. Virgin Islands. And it's one of the yeah. reasons that I still have a, a, a huge love for rum in my life. The other thing about this one is that it's a clear rum as opposed to like a spiced rum, which tends mm-hmm. to be uh, like a golden color or a caramel color. Which sometimes can be aged in oak barrels. Yeah. Um, but this one is just straight distilled goodness and my glasses are clearly clean because there are not a lot of particulates floating in this it is uh it is a very very light and clear liquid it again it passes the pop filter clinking test it does it does pass that um we're gonna go ahead and this time do a quick uh just just little tasty taste hmm Wow. Um, so there's actually not as much burn on there as I thought. No, it's a very gentle, um, the, you know, there is a burn. It is definitely alcoholic. Yeah. It is not something that mm-hmm. it will go down like water, but it is it is less prevalent. There's almost like a marshmallow flavor to it. A little bit. Yeah, it like is, a it's tiny very little bit of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this would be, I, I would almost uh, make a... This would actually be kind of a fun cocktail to make with like a toasted marshmallow flavor to it. Oh yeah, and like a, a graham cracker rim. I uh, I use this. Uh, I make a lot of mojitos with it because it adds yeah. a better depth of flavor mm-hmm. than just a standard clear rum. Uh, it's it is something it, for those of you like taste taste uh, just every type of alcohol that you possibly can in general. Um, and if you don't like it, you don't like it. You don't have to buy giant bottles full of it and kind of keep your house. But uh, for me, adding this to a mojito, which for those of you who don't know, a mojito is uh, simple syrup, which is a reduction of water and sugar uh, that makes a kind of just light sugar syrup. You take that, pour it over a little bit of uh, lime and some mint leaves, and you have the actual limes and the mint leaves in the, the glass, and you muddle it, which is, you have a tool, which is kind of a long dowel called a muddler. You muddle all those things together. And you add a little bit more simple syrup, and you add your rum and a little bit of club soda, and that is a mojito. And it's a delicious, delicious drink on a summer day or on a winter's day. Uh, my favorite thing right now is, <clears throat> so I I made a I made a marinade with the Goodwood beer, um, and some hot chilies uh, that uh, I had Aaron try with some chicken, uh, and that was very delicious. It was it, w- it had a nice amount of spice to it. Mm-hmm. And so uh, anytime you uh, hear Aaron take a pause, it's because uh, I think the heat is rising back up for him. Just a little bit. The alcohol is one of those things. uh, I don't think either of us were really anticipating how much of the heat would come back in that moment. Uh, But it's it's still there on the back of the palate. Yeah, yeah. And I actually ate it as a full meal right before we recorded. Luckily, though, you had rice with it, so that should help absorb at least some of that. That's true. Um, but yeah, it is definitely, there are moments where... You just went full chicken. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Um, but so the other thing, kind of going back to uh, Tattersall for a moment. And back to the topic of our podcast. <laughs> the actual topic and not just us hanging out. Uh, so when... Because there are a billion podcasts about that. Exactly. Um, 
when I first went to Tattersall, the thing that really drew me in, you know, it's, I went for a friend's uh, kind of just a party. She, yeah. she was leaving town and moving. And uh, it was kind of that last hurrah to to see friends before they moved to the other side of the country. And I ordered an old fashioned and it was one of the most delicious old fashions I've ever had. Mm -hmm. And for those of you who don't know uh, how an old fashioned is made, it is a um, you start with, again, muddling sugar with bitters because uh, muddling is one of those things. Again, you're just taking a dowel in a glass. Wait, and ho mixing hold on. Bitters. Hold on, Aaron. Let's let's pause a minute. Yes. It's time for Cocktail Lessons with Aaron. Okay. The act of muddling, again, is uh, just a wooden dowel or an actual muddler, which you can get at any local, you know, establishment that sells drinking uh, equipment for bar or bar equipment, uh, like Target, Walmart. Um, I got my muddler from a uh, an antique shop in, uh, in New Ulm, Minnesota. That uh, was the most hipster comment <laughs> I've ever heard. I, there, was, there was actually a, uh, like, a big... Uh, like earth earthenware pot or like a no big wait, earthenware that jar. That was the most hipster comment I've ever heard. Um but it was in it was in an antique shop that I was at with my uh with my wife to be and her mother and uh I saw just it was like twenty five muddlers in this big jar uh, this clay pot jar and so I, I knew we had to have one and uh, it, my fiance looked at me and was just like, do we really need to spend $12 on a, a muddler that I don't even know what meat? Like, she didn't know what that was. And uh, so I was explaining to her all of the different drinks I can make with a muddler. And she was like, fine. So now we have that. And I make uh, I make mojitos. I make old fashions. Anything, any cocktail that requires muddling. Uh, but again, the act of muddling is just taking a wooden dowel or a muddler and using it to mash sugar into other liquids like the simple syrups or like uh, adding the mint and uh, the lime to a mojito for a old-fashioned you are just mixing you're just muddling sugar with bitters uh there's several different types of bitters usually angostura bitters is the most common and then just pouring whiskey over that and adding a citrus usually a orange rind to that just giving a quick twist to get some of those oils into the mix and that has been Cocktail Lessons with Aaron. Thank you so much for joining us for that. Um, but the way they make the old-fashioned at Tattersall is they, they have their own, obviously, homemade whiskey. They make bitters there as well. And uh, they do everything by hand, and it's amazing. And yeah. they make those giant ice cubes. It's mm -hmm. it's literally like a two-inch by two-inch cube um, that sits in a, in a low-ball glass, and it's poured over there so it stays cold the entire time. And it's just, it's a wonderful cocktail that everyone I needs think to you experience. Can, I think you can judge a bar by its old-fashioned oh absolutely you know um one of the things that i do want to get into for tattersall is where it's located um so tattersall is located in the thorpe building in northeast minneapolis and the the kind of the coolest thing about the thorpe building in northeast minneapolis is that it has its own atlas obscura article just for the building not for anything inside of it no um, just for the building itself, because the Thorpe building was taken over for wartime production. So we started making just parts of anything needed for the war effort yep. in World War II. Mm -hmm. The General Mills Mechanical Division used the building to produce the now famous Norden bombsite, which was, at the time, the best precision bombing device in the world. 
And there's still a lot of companies in Minnesota that do defense projects like that. But yeah, they do. Not on that scale. No, and um, it was actually the production of this secret weapon was so important um, that the security of it actually rivaled the Manhattan Project. You know, um, that's that's a wonderful bit of Minnesota history because not a lot of people understand what was done in Minneapolis and St. Paul, you know, the, the actual metro area uh, during wartime. Because usually, especially with the Manhattan Project, you think of deserts, mm-hmm. you think of far off places, and you don't think of just the heart of downtown Minneapolis, the heart of, well, north, northeast kind of area. But it's still, it's very close to the city center. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Unfortunately, um, the security of it was kind of not great because... The details of the bomb site got passed to a German spy. Of course they did. Yeah. But it, you also have to understand that there's uh, the amount of German, uh, the amount of people with German heritage in Minnesota is kind of unrivaled in other parts of the country. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of just Norse peoples that have settled here. I mean, we Swedish, Norwegian, and German is kind of the three most common Mm -hmm. that you'll, you'll encounter people who with heritage from those places here in Minnesota. Definitely. Yeah. We have a, we have big Oktoberfest, um, (laughs) celebrations here. We have excellent, um, like we've got a few different, like actual German style beer halls. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We actually have a German style brewery and first house. Yes, we do. That'll be, um, that'll be coming up in a future episode. Yeah. Mm hmm. You have so much to look forward to. We have been to a lot of places and eaten and drank a lot of things, and we're just going to give you everything we have to give. I hope the mental picture that's painted of us is people that like just roll into an establishment at this point. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, we, we roll. We just, uh, you know, like the character in Hook who grabs his ankles and rolls like a bowling ball. That's exactly how we operate. Yeah, just like the, Germ- the German or song, we roll out the barrel. Yes, the beer barrel polka. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, so beyond like the Thorpe Building being a historic site for the war, it's actually since been divided. And um, kind of the coolest part about Northeast Minneapolis is it's been turned into a very like artist place. Um, in episode one, we talked about Calhoun Square. Mm-hmm. Now, Uptown in and of itself is a used to be like a very very arts driven community and it it still is to a certain extent to an extent but it's turned much more into like kind of an urban shopping area yeah, than it, anything else it's almost like a, a yuppie area at this point there's you know there's a lot of places you know in in our later episodes we'll be talking about more kind of defunct places that we wanted to reminisce about on certain mm-hmm. episodes i mean we did in episode one we, we did in episode one we're going to do more of that later uh but the that area of uptown just that lake how the the lake street and hennepin avenue area was home to a lot of really great terrible bars like they were wonderful places and they served good food but then they're gone they are gone and they have been replaced by like the apple store and north face and uh you know just things that are great products and great stores but not so great for the area because uh, no one needed another apple store in uptown yeah so northeast minneapolis has um uh still sort of retained that kind of artist community and the Thorpe Building has a lot of artist studios in it still. Um, it's also home to Strike Theater, which is an mm-hmm. up-and-coming like uh, stage and kind of teaching theater. Which, you know, it, theater arts are something that are near dear to both of our hearts. Yes. 
uh, Andrea still with Fearless Comedy and yep. uh, and a lot of other projects that she's working on. And then myself, uh, you know, my fiance has a degree in technical theater mm-hmm. and does a lot of stage managing and other things around the area. So I still, you know, we both have a lot of love for any new theater that's kind of coming out and trying to be uh, something more than just another box for another version of Romeo and Juliet. Exactly. And then, you know, on the kind of the topic of art, there's actually Brickmania that is located in the Thorpe building as well. Um, Those of you that are into Lego, um, Brickmania is a company that sort of makes like military uh, Lego sets. Yeah, they do. um, Just they they design Lego sets and don't and Correct me, because it's been a little while, uh, but do they sell those as kits as well, or do they just sell them as finished products, or as a display area? I'm not sure if they actually sell the kits or not. Um, I wouldn't actually be familiar with it. I've only seen the fact that Brickmania exists there, because I know that they also exist in like the Mall of America. <clears throat> I believe they actually sell like kits, but I could be mistaken. I'm actually looking up Brick Maria Brick Mania right now. This is folks, this is when we learn when we actually learn the value of doing more of our research for the show. <laughs> we've I casually done so much attempt at really yeah. solid and we've done a good job yeah, for the most this part. This was the Brick Mania thing was something that I actually casually uh, mentioned to Aaron like right before we started recording. I was like, <laughs> Oh yeah, Brick Mania is located right in the Thorpe building. We should mention that in case people are into Lego. Exactly. And then we just kind of uh, now had to say start talking about it yeah i'm actually looking at um and then aaron just grabbed my pants and took them right off there (laughs) so what we're looking at metaphorically or figuratively 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 speaking sorry justin for that moment um justin is my spouse yes uh so they actually it does look like they sell it as kits uh because they give a a piece count so i am looking at the mv22 osprey uh, with M1163 and M327 mortar, which is just the description of the uh, the weaponry that would that would exist on the reality or the real item, which is an Osprey, uh, which is a, a VTOL. It's a vertical takeoff and landing craft. We can get into other things like that later. Uh, but there are eighteen. We probably won't because we're a travel podcast. That's true. There are eighteen hundred and seventy six pieces in it, and the kit is eight hundred and ninety five dollars. So. Um... It, putting aside like brick mania and the thorpe building aaron if you had to on the completely arbitrary review scale say what tattersall means to you in one statement what would you say tattersall to me is uh is care for your product and it is um a cold winter's night sitting indoors with a warm drink in your hand. Tattersall to me is uh, hipster cocktails that is probably a little too crowded most of the time, but a very fun place to visit with friends. Absolutely worth it. And we are out of time today, but that doesn't mean our show has to end. You can contact us by leaving a comment at travelbyproxy.com or by emailing fans at travelbyproxy.com. The Travel by Proxy theme is Good Day by Alex, copyright 2012. Our closing music is Now We're Talking by Jerris, copyright 2015. Both are licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, the 3.0 license, and can be found at dig.ccmixter.org. 
Thank you very much for listening to this week's episode. We hope you enjoyed it, and we wish you a look out your window. With you and your moving pistons and your rearranging all the pieces that you find. Now we're talking about things and places, all the names and the faces of the people that you love.